This is Bob Gimling, and you're listening to the Paranormal Porto. It loved to turn on water, and that was the running joke. Um, it would turn on water in, in empty rooms that were not occupied. Wow. Uh, Hey everybody, welcome to the Paranormal Portal Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Thomas. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we appreciate all of you out there, and thank you so much for your wonderful support. Remember, if you've got an experience and you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to me. You can reach me at paranormalportalradio at gmail.com. Well, I'm a big fan of paranormal stories and, and encounters, as probably is pretty obvious. Um, there are some professions that really seem to be magnets for the potential to have paranormal experiences. And uh, one of those certainly is uh, nursing. I think that nurses are in some incredibly tense and stressful situations and in the best of circumstances and the worst and everything in between. And uh, they're incredible people and they sometimes have the most amazing experiences. I had the pleasure to sit down with uh, Veronica, a retired nurse, and discuss her incredible experiences that she had throughout her career. And uh, I, I really had a great time talking to her. She really had some incredible things going on. And we're going to get into that right now. So sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this. Welcome to the show, Veronica. Hi, Brent. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, this is an exciting show for me because I've always found it fascinating. And certainly on our YouTube show, I've covered many shows where um, we've, we've seen uh, claims from people in the medical profession of these incredible uh, paranormal events that have happened. And it seems to me that, you know, hospitals and, and uh, nursing homes and places could very well be hotspots for paranormal activity. And, and so I'm really thrilled that you came on the show tonight to talk to us about it. Well, thank you. Um, I've been a nurse for about 40 plus years. Mm -hmm. And during my career, it spanned um, uh, geriatrics, um, surgical, hospice, which I thoroughly enjoyed. A um, little bit of obstetrics, but... Um, and during that, my long career, um, I worked a lot of night, night shifts during my time. It, it worked out with the family and stuff to work nights. Um, and just a, a cumulative experiences, just noticing that. Um, more of the hospitals, the rural hospitals that I worked at were older ones. Mm -hmm. And um, the few stories that I do recall are um, with uh, one older nursing home that at one time used to be a hospital and it was repurposed. Um, oh, okay. It was um, it was a children's ward and um, birthing ward way back when um, some nuns had had run this hospital. Oh, okay. And then it was repurposed um, many, many years later and turned into a nursing home. And that's where I worked. Um, it is since n no longer, I, I don't even know if it's 
if they've uh, knocked it down. But um, when I worked there, many of my patients, um, the CNAs and stuff would come and tell me that um, so-and-so was complaining of uh, children playing. And over my, you know, years of observing, um, patients would um, complain of when they were, you know, getting close to death, complain of uh, loud kids running and playing and just making too much noise. Wow. And I thought that was like really curious. And it happened like, you know, once too many to really be coincidence. So I thought that sure. was interesting. Yeah, that is. And you know, that's funny is I've, I've actually heard that claim from other people as well. And so that's why oh, I find really? that. Yeah. And there seems to be something about that when people are, are nearing that transition that they become more sensitive to the energies around. And, and I've heard the, the claims of people, you know, calling the nurses and saying, Hey, why are those kids running around? What's going on? <laughs> and there'd be no kids. And so, yeah, that is, that is amazing. Oh, wow. Um, and I know, um, Another hospital that I worked at, um, it had um, a couple of outbuildings, and one of them was a old um, a tuberculosis uh, building, and it had been uh, turned into a storage area. And at one point, it was the hospital's um, more uh, more holding in place like that. But in the modern day, they used it just for you know their equipment for their their lawn equipment and snow plows and stuff like that. And um, a lot of the employees would um, talk about um, the different poltergeist activity. And um, during um, the night times, you could be able to look across the ward um, from the hospital and see lights oh, move wow. around like someone was in there with a flashlight. And many a times the uh, the security was called, they go over there and they look around and they see no one. So that was kind of really interesting. Yeah. And that's that same hospital was when I worked there, it was probably close to a hundred years old. And, you know, um, you would have, um, at that time I worked on the hospice unit and, you would in the middle of the night and uh, you might hear empty rooms and just hear weird noises. Mm. Um, people crying sometimes and, oh, you know, you would just kind of say a little prayer and just put it out of your mind and just, but having experiences like that was just, you know, kind of a, a daily thing and you just kind of focus on your task at hand and taking care of your current patients. That's got to be intense, though. That's a lot for anyone to have to deal with. And, and, and certainly, given what you're doing, you know, those kind of distractions have to be kind of tough uh, just emotionally. Well, those are the times that we tag team. And we, and some nights when it's a little more active, we, we, we would always leave the hall lights on and we would always go together. We didn't, we always teed each other. Hmm. Um, who's going to go check on so-and-so? Well, come, come, come with me. I don't want to go by myself. Um, <laughs> I don't blame that you. sort of things. Yeah, that's intense. And, you know, it seems to me that, uh, and I've said this on the show, um, on our YouTube show many times, that, you know, hospitals seem to be one of those places that 
if there is an energetic place that has, you know, maybe absorbed over uh, time, you know, long time through history, it absorbs anguish, it absorbs pain, it absorbs sadness, and it absorbs, you know, happy times like, you know, babies coming into the world. And, and so with all of those incredible impressions, maybe psychic impressions or whatever, it doesn't surprise me that they have a lot of activity. Hmm. Yeah, I just, yeah, yeah, def, I, you are definitely right. And I know um, the one hospital that had um, the TB ward attached to it, for some reason, that one in my career, I remember it having more of a physical activity to where it would um, maybe roll a, a chair at the nurse station or um, turn on water. It loved to turn on water, and that was the running joke. Um, it would turn on water in, in empty rooms that were not occupied. Wow. Um, and that would happen often. That's incredible. And, you know, that kind, of, that kind of activity, you know, you just can't ignore. I mean, <laughs> so for a person to have like no, no understanding or acceptance of the paranormal working in some place like that would have to make you a believer. And I've always thought that um, the time or two when um, we would um, have that we would see like a ghostly apparition of um, a longstanding doctor in the community who had passed away um um i i always thought that maybe it was um almost like an imprint um mm -hmm. sure i don't i don't know what you call that brent um it's not like um because we had um i know myself and um other nurses um witnessed it twice mm -hmm. to where um this doctor, Chris, you know, being in the Midwest, very rural, um, you know, occasionally doctors would, you know, if they lived on a ranch, and a lot of them did, would come in with their cowboy hat. And he would be known for coming, you know, to work sometimes after hours to check on his patients mm -hmm. in his cowboy hat and his doctor's coat. You know, sometimes, you know, he might have his cowboy boots on. <laughs> but, um, you know, years after he passed, um, Two times, two separate times, we actually saw him just walk right into the nurse's station, almost like a, a wispy um, asp, um, apparition. kind of yeah, apparition of him. And you could see his face, his cowboy hat, and he just had this determined look on his face that he was going to write some orders. And we were absolutely shocked, and we just kind of like, you know, got out of his way, and <laughs> he just dissipated. But we're like, wow. That is incredible. And that kind of took our breath away and we were looking at each other and we said, did you see that? And we said, yes, we did want to make sure they weren't saying things that we weren't tired. Sure. That's called a, um, a residual haunting, by the way. Oh, is that what that's called? Yeah, there's, there's two kinds of hauntings, intelligent and residual and residual are just, they're, they're just moments that are just kind of recorded and replay randomly for some unknown reason. Whereas an intelligent haunt would be something that that targets or at least interacts with the people there like so when you know when you say the water was turned on that's probably not residual that's more intelligent because it's it seems to be looking for a response 
you know. Mm. And but the doctor walking by may very well be residual, just an imprint of the many times that he did that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he it he it that as that that um the way he walked in was the way that he would normally walk into the nurse station. So that makes a lot of sense. Oh, cool! Wow, that is intense, though. It it really was intense, and you know I'll, I'll never forget that. It was you know and neither will my fellow coworkers that I used to work with. They will never forget that either. That was something else. <laughs> That's just all kinds of, of uh, experiences hitting you right in the right in the jaw, huh? Yes. Um, so tell us what else is going on there. Well. Just um, stuff I remember that um, my coworkers used to tell me. Um, you know, you get to know your your um, fellow coworkers from other departments. You know, security mm-hmm. guards, um, um, you know, housekeeping stuff like that. And I remember um, the old hospital that I used to work at in the Midwest. Um, the, scu- the security guards would you know tell us that. Um, there are certain units that were like really old and um, they decided to shut them down when we had low census and stuff like that. When they would walk through, well, these wards had been empty for years Mm -hmm. um, and um, the phone connection and stuff would be turned off. You know, they had no, even though um, all of the, the, the guts of the ward, you know, the nurse's station, the chairs, stuff like that was still there, all of the beds. They would walk through there sometimes and they would hear out in the dining room uh, chairs being moved. And, mm. you know, they would go and investigate because they wanted to make sure that during the winter time, you know, no one broke in and was sure. making themselves at home. Mm-hmm. Um, call lights would go off. Um, sometimes a phone would ring. And, you know, that happened so often that they would just continue to walk and just you know if it if they could validate that it wasn't you know a physical person that no one had broken in they would just chalk it up as just oh well it's the spooks tonight and just continue on <laughs> wow that's i you know i i've i've certainly experienced my share of paranormal activity but most of it i don't know is one house i lived in was was a haunted house and there was quite a bit of stuff going on, and and, and I always wonder, um, what would it be like to work in a place that was severely haunted as well, and and how would you deal with that, or you know, could a person deal with it? And I suppose you can deal with anything that you put your mind to, but that's sure sure not in the job description, you know. <laughs> well, and you know, nights that it was really bad, I would just say, look, I have a job to do. Leave me alone, and I'll leave you alone. Mm-hmm. That's and important, very important, and, very powerful. Um, and you know, and we would turn lights on, but you know, it's it. And after a while, you know, you work many years like that, you kind of get it's kind of comforting. You know, oh well, this you know the spooks are out. Um, <laughs> Can't really think of a certain time of year, but I do know that um, around 2.30, 
four o'clock in the morning is when, you know, if there was something that was going to happen, that would usually happen during that time period, which I thought that was very curious. It is. And, and you and I talked about this a bit before we started uh, recording the show. And, and I find that really incredible as well, because paranormal investigators will talk about that, that, you know, when they're doing investigations, it can be dead quiet for hours and hours. But once the 3 to 4 a.m. T- time comes, if there's going to be activity, that's when it really jumps off. And I often wonder why. wonder what, what, it is, what it is about that time that causes that to happen if there's a energetic change in our, you know, the global biorhythm or something at that time, um, depending on, you know, where you are when that two, you know, two to four in the morning period happens, what, mm-hmm. what is going on? So, but that does come up a lot. So it's really interesting that you're, you're also validating that. I remember as a brand new nurse, just being horrified and being told by my charge nurse, oh, don't worry about it. It's one of her ghosts. He'll be fine. trying to think of what else remember it only happened once once for me but you know you're you're this is back when they had paper charting and you know i'm paper charting focusing on you know making my documentation and Mm -hmm. um look up and you know it's a standard you know old-fashioned nurse station to where it has the countertops are higher you know to where it comes to right where you're maybe above your head a little bit Mm -hmm. and just glance up and there's a lady standing there staring (laughs) at you and didn't hear her she has a hospital gown on and she just she just you know she looked solid but she just had this weird look on her face just kind of like staring at me and just kind of like solemn and I'm like can I help you (laughs) and I'm thinking I'm thinking through my mind do I know her Mm -hmm. um I'm thinking I don't recognize that patient Mm. um just just at that time my co-worker was um turned around and she says Veronica I'm like yeah. <laughs> Do you see that? And she goes, that's the one I was telling you about. Oh, my God. I said, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and she just calmly turned and we stuck our heads out of the doorway of the nurse's station mm-hmm. and watch her quietly, calmly walk into one of the rooms and, it, you know, of course, we did. We hustled it, walked in there, and she wasn't in there. Wow. That's so incredible. I mean, to have a, a, a full-bodied apparition like that. And it did look at you, so that would seem to be intelligent. I mean, you know, if it had just this vacant look, you know, randomly placed, but it seemed to be focused on you and, on, and your coworker had also experienced that. So that seems intelligent, you know? And even to this day, when I think about that, it just gives me goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking, this poor dear, does she not know that she's passed on? Um, right. What's keeping her here? Yeah. Um, 
and she didn't try to say anything to me. She just stared. Mm-hmm. Would would and you that, would you say the 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 look was just a vacant expression, or I, was it confused, I, or not really confused? It was just kind of a a vacant, just kind of a hmm. just a monotone. If there's such a a description for a face, mm-hmm. but just very uh, afflict, just a very flat effect on your face. Wow, that's pretty incredible. <laughs> I, you know, I have seen an apparition once in my life that I know of. Um, I, I've thought maybe I, I might have seen an apparition, uh, you know, other than that. But um, when I when I saw it, it was more just a, a quick walking by thing, and it wasn't it wasn't focused on me. So I think it could have been just a residual thing. But um, when I realized that it wasn't, you know, my girlfriend at the time, when I realized that it wasn't her, <laughs> it was just like. Oh, you know, the, the quick chills, like, oh, that's really weird. You know, so uh, it's, you know, the, the hard part is processing this stuff because it just comes right out of nowhere and lands right in your face and you just got to deal with it, you know. I just think that's so imp- incredible. And, and seeing that apparition was probably the one time that I really got kind of spooked. Oh, yeah. Um, but um, those are the ones that really come to mind that being probably the most impressive during my career. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, you'd have um, the call lights going off sometimes <laughs> um, when no one was there. And, you know, we just like chalked it up to, there's just a short. Don't mm. worry about it. Sure. You know, the building's old. Mm-hmm. But when it really gets to you is when you unplug it or you unplug something that's going off mm-hmm. like maybe um the beds mm-hmm. you unplug it and it still goes off you're like wait a minute <laughs> 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 yeah that's that's when uh, reality kind of leaves you for a minute huh you're like hmm okay no 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 <laughs> try not to think about it cuz then you get really sp- then you really scare yourself. Yeah. I well, you know, and again, to have to to have to not only deal with these things but also perform such a vital function. You know, I think my hat's off to you, but I think you handled it really well. It sounds like throughout it all, you've been you've been taking it really well in stride, and I think that's really impressive because some people just can't cope with this stuff at all. And you know, no that's not a a, a statement of of um, you know mocking them or anything it's just it's hard to make this stuff make sense and then to continue on with a normal life on top of it but you you've the way you've explained it and the way you've also engaged it and just said you know this is the deal i think that that is so powerful because most often i don't think these spirits try to be malicious i don't think they try to even be problematic I think that maybe they exist in a state of confusion and they're not really sure what happened. Like, you know, the old classic, uh, they don't know they're dead. And mm-hmm. and so they're wandering around wondering why nobody is coming and checking on them. And, and so maybe that's why that, that lady came to the, the nurse's station and just stared, you know, it's like, I've been sitting in there waiting. Um, you know, and, and so for them, I don't think it's meant to be harmful. It's just, they don't understand. 
And so right. making statements, you know, like, hey, I understand, but this is, I have to do this. You know, I think that for the most part, if they are formerly human spirits, they recognize that and they'll, you know, oftentimes back off. Um, many times people in really, you know, haunted situations have made statements like that, like, look, you know, this is my home. This is where I'm living. If you want to be here, you got to be peaceful. No more, you know, moving stuff, no more hiding stuff. And, you know, it's got to stop. And just making those statements like 90 plus percent of the time causes the activity to really go down. And maybe it's just because they they want to be acknowledged, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I can't lie, there were some nights where I would just say, Knock it off. <laughs> when sure. when I had a fellow, you know, new nurse or you know newbie, mm-hmm. would get like really spooked. Mm-hmm. I I was like, okay, this is getting out of hand because I didn't want them quitting on me. <laughs> um, sure. So I would just say, knock it off. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, um, trying to think of anything else. Sure. I just think it's really impressive because, again, I think that these are energetic places. These are there's certain places in the world that that I think that spiritual activity manifests more easily or readily around places that have uh, been high energy places, and certainly hospitals would definitely be among those. Mm-hmm. And you know, the one, um, the two places that had probably the most activity is where. Um, the places where I had worked that had had um, maybe had been used for a birthing center, a children's ward, hmm. um, and then it got repurposed as something else. Mm-hmm. Um, the tuber- tuberculosis ward, hmm. um, but those areas that um, I noticed um, seemed to have more activity, mm-hmm. and um, I kind of thought maybe it was because people maybe. Um, you know, passed away maybe too soon, mm-hmm. um, and and maybe they felt gypped, right? Or, right. or maybe they didn't know, right? No, I think that's a great hypothesis, and you know, and, and as you were saying that, I was thinking, you know, that's kind of interesting because that place for a while brought life into the world. It was like bringing life mm-hmm. into the world, and then it was. Bring you know helping easing the the passing as these people would pass, and so you know with all the coming and going, maybe that's a natural portal of you know a spiritual portal because life began there and life ended there, you know over years and years and years, and so maybe that makes it a, a perfect storm you know for lack of a better term for you know ghostly activity. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like a really good hypothesis. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's anybody's guess, of course. I can't claim to know this stuff, but yeah, nobody oh. really knows. But <laughs> heavens, Betsy, no, I know, I know. One of the hospitals that I worked at, one of the uh, ones, one of my first posts um, was so old; it was built in the 1930s that um, it's actually been torn down, oh, wow. and they built a a new hospital over top of it. And that one, I remember, you would walk down. It had um, it had a very open, very modern floor pan, a floor floor um, design mm-hmm. for its 1920s um, design. I remember as a brand new nurse, um, just being horrified and being told by um, my charge nurse, "Oh, don't worry about it. 
it's 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 one of her ghosts. He'll be fine. <laughs> but it was dead of winter, and I looked out there, and it was there's there was lots of big open uh, picture windows, mm-hmm. and I could see this guy in a hospital gown with an IV pole, um, smoking a cigarette, and I thought, <laughs> good. God, it is winter. How did you get out? And I'm walking down there, and she says, "Oh, sweetie, do you see him? <laughs> oh, that's just Mister. I forget now what they called him. That's sure. Mister. So and So. He's all right. And you know, I would see him every now and then. But the funny thing is, as you walk closer to him down the hall, mm-hmm. he would disappear. Oh. But if you looked at, if you looked towards the end of the hall, and you you would see him out there just smoking. <laughs> wow, that's intense. And, and it's you know it just goes to show you get you guys have got nerves of steel because oh that's just so and so. I mean it, it's neat that you can reach that state. Like I you know I've never I, as I mentioned I lived in a haunted house and it never really bothered me for the most part um, because I never really felt it was dark or it was dangerous. It was just there. And I think in this case, most of those, most of those impressions are just there and maybe they're not the complete people. Maybe they're just a part of the people, you know, that were impressed onto the, mm-hmm. that building yeah. through the years. And, and so they're just a, an echo of time or something. And, and, but even if they are, I don't think they mean any harm. I just think that they're there, you know? No, I've never felt, I've never felt um, intimidated or scared, mm-hmm. maybe a little um, kind of bewildered and caught off guard by that one gal standing in front of me. <laughs> but yeah. um, I've always and I've always felt very protective towards my current patients. Mm-hmm. And um, I've never had any problems, but I've always thought if I ever did, that would be fighting words and I would have words. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, I think you've you've handled it really well and and very gracefully for what it's worth. But um, you know, I I I know that a lot of people wouldn't be able to do it, and so. But then again, nursing is a tough job all by itself, and a lot of people can't do that either, just because of the you know the the anguish, the anxiety, the you know the um, amount of giving that is required. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know, my hats off to anybody doing that job anyway. Oh. But dealing with well thank you brent i've always thought you know my philosophy is i can't change with what has happened Mm -hmm. but i can try to make each day that i'm with them um pain-free and and, and as enjoyable as as they can Mm -hmm. so they can visit with their family oh that's nice that's really good yeah you've got a good spirit (laughs) i think that's incredible and you know i'm just thrilled that you came on the show to share all of this is there anything else you wanted to discuss tonight this would be in the same um, building that when I first started my career, you know, um, with that guy that sat with the, smoking the cigarette. Mm-hmm. Um, the building, as you walked into it, was one level. And then as you went towards the the um, uh, two longer wings, it, would, it, it became like a second story. Oh, okay. I remember one time. Um, being there um, uh, in a patient's room and doing, you know, patient care. And um, it was probably in the wee hours, probably like three or four. Um, and I remember it only happened once, but it kind of unnerved me, you know, 
with being new and this being my first experience with spooks like that. And again, mm-hmm. I was working the night shift, of course, okay. and having um, someone knock on their window and I could hear kids giggling. And I thought, well, you little stinkers, <laughs> you're looking through the window while I'm taking care of this patient. And I didn't want them to see something, you know, mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure my my patient's privacy. So I walk over to tell them off and I realize, oh, I'm on the second story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Did not, did not see anything, but... I pulled the blinds and I'm like, oh Lord, <laughs> finished what I had to. And then I, I went down the hallway. That never happened again. But I remember that was kind of un, unnerving. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's quite a realization, right? It's like, oh, wait, there's no kids out there. We're on the second floor. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Well, I tell you, it's, it's got to be, it, it's, it's a real challenge to a person's paradigm to continually adjust like that. But again, I think you've done amazingly and uh, you handle it well and you've got a good sense of humor about it. So I, I really respect that and my hat's off to you. You know, remember if other things come up or if you recall other things, just let me know. We'll get you back on the show. Okay, sounds good. All right. Well, thank you, Veronica, for coming on and uh, hope you have a wonderful night. Thanks. One of the big highlights of doing a show like this is the opportunity to hear from experiencers in in their own words what they've seen heard been through come face to face with etc and i find these stories so incredible because everybody tells their experience in a unique manner and everybody sees things differently as well and one of the cool parts is to have this long catalog of people with experiences coming forward and sharing them and Each one of those definitely is an incredible experience in and of itself, but in trying to understand the phenomena, each story is another piece of the puzzle. And I find that because people are unique in the way that they both observe and experience things and how they relate those experiences, what they found memorable, what they found uh, worth mentioning is is unique to each person. And so everybody puts a a new piece of the puzzle in as they're telling their stories and... um, For me, it helps me quite a bit to get my head around what it is that we're dealing with, because that's a big part of the journey for me is I want to understand this. And so uh, getting the emails is awesome. And and please, any of you out there who have experiences, please feel free to submit them to email. If you don't want to be interviewed uh, in person on the show, I, I love to see your emails and I can certainly read them for you. But the following is an email that I received from a gentleman named Gabe, who's a trucker. And he's got some pretty incredible things to uh, discuss with us. So let's get into that right now. This email is entitled Native American Shadow Terror. uh, And it's coming from Gabe, as I mentioned. But my good friend and his dad lived in an older apartment complex in the late 90s in what is now a newer development called Brick Row in Richardson, Texas. My friend dropped out in the ninth grade and pretty much chilled at home for a couple of years trying to figure out his next step in life. 
I would sometimes skip school and walk to a couple blocks to his apartment and hang out and smoke some weed and pass the time till school let out. I remember stopping by one morning and he told me of a bizarre incident he had the previous day. He had a dream and in his dream he was sleeping upstairs in his room and was awakened by a knock at the front door. So he went downstairs and asked who it was, receiving no response. He looked through the peephole and saw a man. The guy says, I'm having car trouble and can I use your phone? Well, my friend said sorry, but no, and started to go back upstairs. Just then he heard the knock again. So again, he says, who is it? As he looks through the peephole, the guy is still there. So my friend has a change of heart and opens the door. To his shock, as soon as the door opens, the man is no longer standing there, and in his place is a large, dark shadow that immediately busts through the threshold and begins attacking and choking my friend. At that moment, my buddy wakes up in his room upstairs. The strange dream is over, yet the shadow is not gone and is hovering over him and choking him. My friend says at this point, he knows he's awake and is being strangled by the entity from his night terror. He said it was so real that he feared for his life and just struggled until this thing was gone. He felt uncomfortable sleeping upstairs after that, but eventually forced himself to. For a while after, after this, when trying to sleep, he said it felt like something was in his room, in the shadows, just watching. He would recognize it out loud and tell it it wasn't welcomed. And he have never had this happen again. And about three years later, his father and him moved to Texas. To Austin, Texas, rather. Fast forward four years later, I had a couple other good friends from high school that became roommates at this same location. All of us would hang out at that house and party. The two guys didn't know about this incident that happened to my buddy a few years prior. I noticed an odd, creepy feel to the upstairs area the few times I went up there, like oppressive and watching. The guy whose room was up there rarely slept in there. One day he told me of an incident. He was laying in bed, about to crash, and out of nowhere, there's this dark shadow mass on top of him, strangling him. He said he was so scared that he could hardly move, let alone talk. And he said the first thing that came to his mind was to call out audibly the name of Jesus Christ. It took a lot of effort, but eventually did mummer Jesus Christ. And just like that, this thing wasn't there any longer. Gone. As soon as I heard the story, my mind automatically connected the two incidents. And as I processed the facts of both, I had a eureka moment. The shadow was the same. The setting of the apartment complex was the same, just two different buildings in that same property. As I looked for an answer as to why I thought of the little natural uh, spring that just snakes through the complex in a wooded area. Years before, my good friend and I used to explore around this wooded area. One day we came to the place where the spring waters bubble up from the ground, and there we saw a marble stone adjacent to the spring that read something like, this place used to be the living area for a branch of Tejano Cado tribe of Native Americans called the Uyani tribe. Forgive me if I misspelled the tribe's name. 
They lived in that spot from about 1690 to 1870 or so, hunting buffalo and utilizing the natural spring waters. I'm almost certain this was and still may be the catalyst for the shadow night terror that attacks. If anyone hearing this has any experience like this in the same area, please share your story. Thank you. And he says, please, if you feel there's a place for it in the show, uh, I really enjoy your show and the podcast, and it helps me pass the time while I work. Thank you. Well, thank you, Gabe, first of all. Um, I, I really appreciate it. And again, I love these emails. I love these these experiences. And I think it's very compelling, uh, of course, you know, if there is a Native American tie to this land, then there wasn't buildings before in that spot. It just used to be their sacred land. So it could just be an entity that's still hanging around there, maybe guarding it, maybe uh, just stuck or for whatever reason. But uh, uh, at any rate, it's just a fascinating story. But this isn't where my story of Gabe ends, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> another thing occurred that I, that was really kind of cool in the... Uh, of course, when we do the live shows on YouTube, I have a live call-in number, and that number is uh, is available for during show times. But I happened to be sitting at my desk, and I noticed that there was a connection to the to the the phone line. And I was like, well, "What's that all about?" So I thought, "Well, let me just check it out." So I I did. I connected to the phone line through my computer and and answered the call, and it was Gabe. And Gabe and I talked, and, and uh, he said, you know, I emailed you, but I remembered some more things that I wanted to talk about on the show, and, or to you for the show. And uh, so I said, well, Gabe, do you mind if I record this? He said, no, let's go ahead. And so I did. And this is the, the impromptu interview that follows it. So uh, thank you, Gabe, for all of your participation in the shows, and uh, I really appreciate you uh, putting so much on the table for us. It's awesome. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I just got, a, I guess, a few stories, man. Uh, just up to this point in my life, I guess, nothing like crazy. But, you know, uh, I grew up in, uh, well, I was born in Ponca City, Oklahoma. And uh, I know you've done uh, that time slip case from there. Uh, you touched on that before. But it's a real small town. And uh, I have pretty vivid memories. My, my parents divorced when I was around four years old. So we moved to North Texas and I'm 39 now. So I've lived here my entire life basically, but mm -hmm. I just have vivid memories of the town and, uh, you know, it's good memories, you know, growing up at least to that point. But, uh, specifically it was, it's weird. I don't even know what it would be categorized as, but I remember like my first, the first thing that I kind of saw was, uh, when I was probably three, just randomly I used to zone out and I would just stare up in his face and, you know, that's not unnormal, I guess, for a child, but sure. I would see this, it was almost like a cameo entirely in black. And this would happen during the day, night, you know, it didn't matter. And it was uh, of a, an, I guess, a middle-aged man. Okay. I couldn't make out any features, but he always had a top hat on. And it was just from his neck up. So when I say a cameo, you know, like, the, what are they, brooches, you know, women used to wear back in Victorian times, stuff sure, like that? Sure, like a, like a bust. Yeah, but it was like, it was weird, and that's all I saw. And it would just kind of be in the air. 
and I would kind of be like in a trance, I don't know, zoning out. Uh-huh. But um, that, that always just interested me, and I'm like, I, I think about it from time to time, and I'm like, you know, what, what, the, what the hell was that, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like, uh, because, you know, I did a little research recently on it, you know, and I'm like, is this like a, a past family member, you know, from like back in the day? Mm-hmm. Um, a, little, a little bit of research on it, I guess, was around maybe 10, 20, 30 years before, you know, Abraham Lincoln, you know, or his top and all that. They came into, I guess, both. They called those men, because men used to wear them, and they were like younger men, and it wasn't fashion, and they called them dandies. You know, that's where we get the, the word dandy from. They'd be topped out, you know, decked out, mm-hmm. wearing these fancy clothes and top hats. And uh, my brother did a DNA test actually recently, uh, and we are a little over 50% English, so I don't know, you know, I mean, that's where I came from. I have no idea, but I just figured I'd throw that out there because I'm kind of like you, like these little weird nuggets, you know, when you, like, you do a great job with your son and Don on the show of just covering this vast Uh swath of weirdness. And uh, I love it, man, because you're able to glean every once in a while. Somebody will call in, and I'll be like, it'll spark my memory, you know. And it's like, wow, you know, you kind of connect dots, you know. It's yes. Pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, I can appreciate that completely. And that's one thing doing the shows is that I, I can't believe how much I've learned and how much I put together just by hearing people's stories. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I. I'm new to the show. I just subscribed to the YouTube, you know, but I've been listening to the podcast. Uh, it's a beautiful thing, man. And it helps me pass, it helps me pass the time, man. And you got me laughing, you know, and your relationship with your son. It honestly, it makes me jealous, man, because I'm like, man, I wish my dad was, was like you, you know, growing up. You know, it's just great, man. And we need more people like you in the world. Aww. So thank you, you know. Well, thank you, brother. I, I appreciate your support and your kind words. That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, actually, at that show you did with uh, Ty, what's his name, Ty? He was the over-the-road truck driver. Uh-huh. And then his friends, like, you know, wrote in, you know, I guess another show, and that was a pretty cool uh, episode for me, you know, because I, I have, I've driven over the road, and I used to stay away from truck stops because, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm an introvert. Most of us are out here, but I, I just never liked truck stops. That, if you're going to, I was always taught when I first started, if you're going to have an accident, God forbid, then that's where it's going to be because, you know, you got all this traffic. Sure, yeah. So I would go to these weird, you know, kind of just dark places out of the country, get off in an area where I could park and just do a break, you know, and... I've never had anything crazy happen out, out there, but, you know, it's uh, it's definitely that one on uh, with the uh, the cattle haulers, the family, the dad, the brothers, that entity went through the truck. I used to go down there a lot, you know, and... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. it can be kind of sketchy heading out to Amarillo, you know, uh, but it reminded me, I used to work with this guy... He's ex-military, and we were outside. I used to smoke cigarettes back then, and he was just randomly told me a story, and that sparked my memory, man. And uh, him and another friend were driving down the road, man. I don't know where they were, somewhere in Texas, I guess, but 
He said they both looked forward. They're talking and they look forward. He's driving. And all of a sudden, there's this kind of relatively young man in the middle of the street looking right at them. And it was way too late to stop, just like in the story from the truck driver. And he said, you know, he's slowing down, but this, what, I mean, whatever, this apparition, it just goes through the car and it's turning its head, looking directly at him, the driver, and it just cuts through the car. And then they look at the back and the guy's standing in the road. So it was almost like the exact same thing, you know? Wow. That is intense. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Wow. Well, I, I, I appreciate it, brother, and I appreciate you tuning in and all the uh, uh, the praise that you give me. But, uh, you know, you guys make the show great. I just turned on the lights. Well, I appreciate it, man. Uh, I guess uh, there was a, actually, man, uh, the truck driving, man, it, I love it. I wouldn't do anything else. I used to work at a grocery store. That's where I met my wife. I worked there 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and man, I hated it, bro. <laughs> I hated it, bro. When I was in management, it just worked every holiday. And I'm like, for God's sake, I, I ran a deli, okay? So I'm like, why do I have to work Mother's Day? You know, I mean, what's, I do less, I, I make less money for the deli department on Mother's Day than I do any, basically any other time of year. I mean, it helps me. Like, sure. But yeah, getting in a truck and get, uh, you know, you know, any transition in life, you know, uh, a big step, you know, there's different seasons in life, and uh, some are sad, some are happy, and, you know, there's a whole lot in between. Uh, I was, I had made my decision, I was working at one of the biggest delis in our district, in a really rich area, and I, you know, I just didn't have enough help, no help was coming, and I called my wife, and I said, babe, I gotta, you know, I got to make a plan here. Are you okay? And I told her my plan. Um, and it just occurred to me truck driving. I remember being a little kid, you know, mm-hmm. traveling and just make, you know, doing the horn sign, right? You know? Yeah. yeah. For the truck drivers, you know, that's the only thing that I could come up with, you know, and, uh, but she, she was supportive, you know, and, uh, you know, thank God for that. Her stepdad in New York, she's from New York. Um, does the same thing I do, you know, he's home, I'm home daily, he's home daily, but, mm-hmm. so she's familiar with it, but, you know, leading up to, I, I put in my two weeks notice, eventually, you know, it took a year and a half to get finances straight and everything, because, you know, I'm a grown man, I've got bills to pay, I can't just, you know, make a jump like that, so there's a lot of anxiety and stress involved, and, uh, sure. I remember asking the Lord, you know, I, I was like, Lord, you know, is this the right decision? You know, I mean, I got a family here. Uh, I hate what I'm doing now, but, you know, I got to get out. But, you know, I know I need money, and I was really struggling with that. And uh, one night, man, I woke up, I had a dream, and it was weird, man. Like, my grandfather died when I was 13. Uh when I was six or seven, we had gone back up to Oklahoma to visit him in Tulsa. He had a machine shop in downtown Tulsa. He did a lot of stuff. He was a watch dealer. I mean, he had fancy watches, gold. Like, and he just he would come to Dallas twice a year, and that's when we would see him. But I just had this random dream, and I've heard you talk about it too. You know, having dream about past relatives and loved ones, and you know something's 
significant is going on in this dream, you know. It's, mm-hmm. This is different. With, uh, and this one was different, too. We, that he had taken me, when we went to visit him when I was six or seven, he took me, and just me, to his machine shop. We were there for a couple hours. But I remember the layout of this old building and, and all of that. And in a dream, it was exactly the same. And I've only been there once. But the only difference was I'm the same age, well, going back a few years, you know, I was, what, I don't know, 34 or 35, mm-hmm. but he's standing right in front of me, and he looks the same, except he looked like he was kind of glowing, he was healthy, and he was just smiling, and he was about a foot from me, and we were looking each other in the eyes, and uh, no words were said, but... It was just weird. He was just smiling, you know, and, and that was the dream. And I woke up and I got, you know, went to work. I was on the computer at work, you know, doing some emails and stuff. And and I'm like, man, what was that about, you know? And finally, it, it, it hit me. And the last time I saw him alive was in Dallas. He had come for a trade show. Uh, but he had told my brother and I uh, before he left, the last thing I remember saying was, you know, boys, you know, uh, just make sure first you you watch the company you keep. Okay, be you know be careful who you choose as friends in life. Mm-hmm. And that really, I made some bad calls up. You know, <laughs> later and he was right. You know, yeah. but uh, thank God I made it for those years. Um, <laughs> and the other thing was, you know, find a career that you love doing. You know, do something that you enjoy and. And that's when I knew, man, I'm going full throttle on this shit. And, uh, and, you know, I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't do anything else, you know. Yeah. I enjoy what I do, and I enjoy getting up and going to work. And, uh, and that just, it was something special, you know. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I think this is a, it's, it's a great, a great experience to find your, find your place. Like I, I didn't know what to do either, and the the portal just kind of landed in my lap one day. So, I know what you mean, brother. Yeah. Yeah. But I appreciate you calling, man. This is great. Hey, no problem, man. And I hope that you can hear me, okay? And okay, all right, Brent. Hey, man, I appreciate it, man. And just and thank you for uh, just your whole disposition, man. It's refreshing. Aww. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Keep in touch. Okay, man. Will do. Thank you. All right. See ya. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please feel free to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash paranormal portal radio. As well as finding us on Twitter. We're on Twitter at Paranormal Portal, P-O-R-T-L. And uh, we'd love to have you stop by our YouTube page and subscribe and check out our shows there. we got hundreds of shows, Journeys into the Paranormal Portal. So I hope you'll check it, check it out, guys. We're over there at YouTube.com slash Paranormal Portal. So hope to see you guys soon. Uh, we'll be back, of course, for more podcasts in the coming days. So we love you all. Be good, be kind, be nice. Take care of each other. Help each other out. Find the magic in every day and remember to laugh as much as you can.